0: Okay, Bo and KD, today we're in we're in lesson two of Preach My Gospel, which are the missionary lessons. And Bo, you you actually brought hundreds, uh, it's hundreds, right? Hundreds of people through the lesson we're about ready to go over today, lesson two. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I, you know, so I served in the States, in the United States, mm-hmm. and it's a little different teaching. The gospel in the United States uh, compared to if I would have gotten a mission call, say to like you know South America or something. Nice. Um, South America, they probably had hundreds of baptisms. I did definitely did not <laughs> serving in the United States, but but yeah, I was able to teach hundreds of people uh, lesson two, which lesson two is all about the Mormon plan of salvation, and uh, this this basically is kind of the timeline, the the, the the human timeline from a, a Mormon's perspective of where we came from, why we're here, and where we're going when we die. That's that's kind of the framework for the plan of salvation. And the goal as a missionary uh, teaching this, this lesson is you, you just got done telling them about the need for a restored church, that there is only one true church on the earth. And then in lesson two, you're now teaching them that there's only because there's only also one church, there's also only one truth, and that truth is uh, the plan of salvation, the path to get back to God.
0: Okay, so hold on. So let, let's just, uh, this is super interesting to me to read the Mormon handbook, essentially, for missionaries, and not just for missionaries. Katie, you said you you read through this yourself. I mean, you shared these same lessons with I'm, I'm assuming people who had maybe fallen away from the Mormon church. So even you weren't a missionary, but you still knew these basics. And would would you say that you would share these basis, basics also with people in the ward or in the neighborhood? Am I getting that right?
2: Yeah, I mean, we did use this sometimes in our lessons that we, I, I've served in young women's. I served in all sorts of different callings and definitely used this as a guide.
0: So it's interesting because it's kind of like the what we have in the pursuit. Would you say that's about right? That if you go to Pursue God, go to pursue slash go, you'll find the pursuit. There's even a, a Mormon investigating LDS version of the pursuit that you guys did with us. So those are 12 lessons that give you just the basics of biblical Christianity. Would you say that's about the closest thing that we have, at least at our church or with Pursue God to what we're going through right now?
1: Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think okay. this the intention of these the of preach my gospel the mormon missionary handbook is uh, especially with with these lessons it's to help missionaries teach the basics of the mormon gospel to sorry and I say the mormon gospel I don't want to offend any mormons out there so that to teach the basics of the gospel of the church of jesus christ of latter day saints to uh, to investigators that's the purpose of these lessons and there's there's only 5 of them so they're they're pretty packed. Each lesson is packed with information. Um, and sometimes it's a lot to get through. Sometimes we would split these up into two lessons each, especially when we get to like the plan of salvation, for example, uh, because there's so much there.
0: Okay. So here you are. So Bo, you show up with your, with your missionary, um, companion. That's what you call him, right? A companion. So you get off your bikes, you knock on the door and they open the door. You already met with them last week. They're like, Hey, welcome back, Bo. And And Johnny, and they invite you in, and you're like, okay, today we're in lesson two, and we're going to talk today about the plan of salvation, and the first thing that you're going to explain to them is a a Mormon understanding of the pre-mortal life. Walk us through that from a Mormon perspective, what you would have said as a missionary, and then let's talk a little bit about it from a biblical perspective.
1: Yeah. First off, you would have welcomed us in as Elder Bo and Elder John. Just FYI, right? No first That's names. Right. Nobody ever. Nobody knew my first name actually.
0: Yeah, and or sis for the women, it's sister, right? Sister, That's right? Yep. Sister KD and sister. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so we would uh, we would start
1: with the pre mortal life. So when you talk about the plan of salvation for a Mormon, it starts before the world was created. It starts in. Uh, in a pre existence or a pre mortal life. You'll hear both of those terms inter- uh, interchangeably, right? And the, the whole point of the pre mortal life to a Mormon is to, to show that God is our Heavenly Father. We're His children and we are His literal children from before the world was created, meaning we were spiritually begotten sons and daughters of God before the world was created. Okay. And he had created a plan of happiness for his children with Jesus Christ at the center of that plan um, so that we could eternally progress through choosing on this during this life to follow God. That is a mouthful. And there's, yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there for, for Christians listening, but that's the basis of where we would start is, hey, did you know? You existed before this life. You were actually a spirit child of heavenly parents.
0: Hmm. Okay, so hold on a second. So now let's pause for a second. So we're talking about pre-existent. Let, let's just throw some words out there for some of the our podcast listeners who've heard these episodes before. We've got full episodes on all this, so we're not going to get into great detail on any of it. But you're, you're sharing, you're, this is your second meeting with somebody and you're talking about the pre-existence with them which is not a biblical concept, it's not a Christian concept, and you're talking about eternal progression with them, which again is not—eternal progression meaning that you can eventually become—would you Would you say it like that, that you could eventually become a god?
1: Yeah, we wouldn't say it in this lesson, but that is what Mormons are referring to when they talk about eternal progression, but it's definitely not talked about in this lesson.
0: Right. Yeah, it's kind of early for that, right? That's that's. I don't know if that's quite deep doctrine, but it's pretty close, right? So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, are that's you? Right. If somebody says, "Wait, what do you mean by eternal progression? How are you going to explain that in a palatable way to, let's say, a Baptist who just hasn't gone to church in a while?"
1: Yeah, you know, typically what we would say is, "Just as my child, or, or just as I'm the the son of my parents, right?" And and they want me to progress and become more and more like them, God wants us to progress and become more and more like Him. And that resonates with any Christian out there, mm-hmm. right? That, that sounds like a sanctification process, and you don't really bat an eye. But but where, where we would start here is in the Bible. So the, the first verse we pull out is typically Acts 17 or, or Hebrews 12, 9, uh, to, to try and teach that God is our Heavenly Father and we're His children, right? Right. And it's interesting that we start there though, because again, these scriptures are are taken out of context. What we're trying to point out is that we are children of God before this life in a pre-mortal life, but we're using scriptures that that actually biblically that, that that's not what those scriptures are meant to teach.
0: Okay, but again, you Bo, you didn't know this all those years ago when you were a missionary. No. You didn't know you were taking this out of context. So it's I want to make sure our listeners hear this, especially our Christian listeners. Because you might get fired up, as I sometimes do when I think about this stuff. But the, the missionaries are not like intentionally trying to deceive you. It, is that right, Bo and KD? They're they're earnest. They're this is what they believe. It's what they have grew up being taught. It's they don't they think you're the weird one. They think you're the one who needs the full restoration message, and so it's not helpful, probably. For you to get into like a big argument over this at this point, I don't know, KD. Maybe you can speak to this. Like, what would be a helpful thing for someone at this point? We had a we had someone reach out this week via email saying, "Hey, could you give us some instruction? Like, if we're meeting with missionaries, add in some insights into what to say." So, what would you recommend that that a Christian say to their their mission their elders who are sitting there explaining this part of it? Like, what? How should you? come back at this when, you, when you're learning about the preexistence and when you're learning about eternal progression?
2: It is hard because they are, like you said, earnest. They definitely believe this. They 100% are trying to help you learn w- what they believe will save you. So um, I just love to point out what's in the Bible. So these, these missionaries, a lot of um, people think that LDS missionaries are very well versed in scripture. They're like rock hard testimonies. Like there's no breaking that, you know, there's no way you can even win a Bible bash with them. But these kids are like 18. They're, they really, they may know their book of Mormons really well and may know the Bible to a point, but it is a great way to, um, sort of engage them in a loving way would be to ask them, you know, well, what, what uh, Bible scriptures can you show me that back up this claim? Yeah. This claim of pre mortal life, right? And then just sort of lovingly talking with them about it. Well, okay, so you said that you you mentioned Hebrews twelve nine. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about what what's the context of that? You know, and just sort of starting to um, rotate the conversation around the Bible and what, it and the right use of the Bible verses that they're going to pull out.
1: You know, for, for so many Mormon missionaries, they they don't, it's not like they, they know their scriptures super well. I mean, they probably went to seminary, Mm. right? So they had four years of, um, scripture study basically ahead of their mission. But, uh, you know, at most, they probably have 25 verses memorized in their Bible. And that's great. Mm. That's awesome. Mm. And it's gonna be verses like Hebrews 12 9. Are they gonna know the context behind it and and why that that verse says what it does? No, they're not. And and so it's important for you know for, for our Christian listeners to, to understand that rather than like disagreeing or trying mm. to prove them wrong, just explain biblical context, right? And, and seek for understanding from the missionary sharing that passage, and, and you'll you'll get to a much better spot a lot a lot quicker than you will trying to prove them wrong.
0: Now, Bo, are, the, are you as a missionary? Are you going to try to get me to read out of the like when you come to some of these references? Are you going to try to get me to read the references from like the Book of Mormon?
1: Totally. Yeah. The the goal is first to get you to open your own Bible if you have one. Mm. Right. Okay. Um, because that establishes common ground, like we talked about last week. And then if you can read a passage out of your Bible, then I'll I'll hand a Book of Mormon to you, assuming that you didn't take one this last week, right? And that we, when we met last week, but I'll hand the Book of Mormon to you and have you read it out of that, out of that as well. So it sounds very similar, right? The scripture sounds mm. similar and helps to kind of break down the, the wall of the, the, kind of the, the scripture wall. Does that make sense?
0: Okay. So can I, can i put, i'm going to put a suggestion out there for our listeners who are going to be meeting with a mormon missionary and bo tell me if you think this is too tell me how you think this would land for the missionaries if it were me i would read out of the i would read the bible passages but i would ask them to read the book of mormon passages would that be offensive to them for for me to do that
1: no, no, that's fair. That actually that happened plenty on my mission. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that's not a surprise to a missionary that happens often. And I would definitely recommend listeners read it out of the translation you're comfortable with. Absolutely. Yeah,
0: that's good. Cuz I
1: think that also helps Mormon missionaries hear the Bible in a way mm-hmm. they've never heard it before because remember, growing up, the only Bible that they know about and that mm-hmm. they've read is the King James version of the Bible. And it's it's hard to understand, and it sounds awful lot like the Book of Mormon, and so to them, that's just what mm. scripture sounds like. Yeah. Uh, and and if you can help open up their mind to more modern translations, it could be helpful. So let's practice. Let's practice this real quick. So uh, so Brian, will you read Hebrews twelve nine, um, where it talks about how God is our heavenly Father and we're His children?
0: Okay, so Hebrews twelve nine, and I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever?
1: Bingo. There you go. Thanks for reading that, Brian. So you'll you'll notice there that it says that we should submit to the father of our spirits, right? What the scripture's teaching is that we have spiritual spirit. Sorry, what the scripture's teaching is that we have a father in heaven, a father of our spirits. And that. That Father um, created our spirits before this world was. And that's that's exactly how I would teach it on my mission, right? Okay. And then we would move on. And before you know it, you're starting to hear that we existed before this life. You see it proved in the Bible. And, and I'm not saying it's manipulative. I'm just saying that that's how we would teach it on our mission, to get people comfortable with the idea of a pre mortal life.
0: So again, you're cherry-picking a couple of verses. Again, that verse doesn't say that. At all, but your 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 el- the elders that are sitting in front of you don't know that. So again, right. as we're keeping score here, you're not you're not getting into a big knockdown, drag out fight about it, right, Bo? You might just I might just say to you, hey, that I have a different viewpoint on that passage, but we can move on. Sure,
1: yeah, I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Although I would say that um, helping them understand biblical context is critical. Okay. Um, for, for how these lessons are going to go and just for how this missionary uh, is going to think about the Bible throughout their mission and throughout their life. So mm-hmm. um, that is the part I would focus on rather than like who's right or who's wrong. Yeah.
0: Okay. No. So so that's a good point. So you might say something real simple because again, some of our listeners are like, I'm not really even sure how to defend this. And that's the problem, right? You're, how do I, I don't want to get in the weeds on this because I'm not sure that I even really fully understand theologically how to defend. Something like pre-mortal life. like it's so like how would you defend marijuana scripturally? It's like it's not in there. pre-mortal life isn't in there. So it's hard sometimes it's hard, I think, for people to say, how do I how do I how do I talk about something that's made up and that's not biblical from the Bible? and I think a simple way to do this here, Bo is to say if you look at the context of Hebrews twelve, the author is talking to Christians. Who have been adopted into the family of God, and then maybe one other verse. We I think we shared it last week or the week before, Bo. Um, that when that when we become when we trust in Jesus for salvation, we are adopted. We are we are the we have the right to become children of God. So we're not naturally born children of God. We become children of God when we place our faith in in Jesus Christ. That's what I believe. I don't believe that we're all. His spirit children. I don't believe that's what this is saying at all. Yeah, something like
1: that. That's right, and that's how I would handle it. And and then yeah, we we should move on. And so then I would move on as the missionary, and I would say, okay, uh, well, you know, we we believe that we existed before this life, that that God created us, and that uh, He created the world through. Jesus Christ, and then we would point out Hebrews one one through three that talks about Christ being the Creator, and and again to to a Mormon that's important because they're distinct individuals: God the Father and Jesus Christ. And we're we're setting up this uh, the the whole teaching of the Godhead for later as well.
0: I see, but I but I would say, tell me if I'm wrong here, guys. I would say this one is this one is at, at face value. This one is what we believe. The, totally, the, it's Hebrews one one through three that Jesus created the earth. That you know, I, okay, good. I'm good with that. We we don't have to again make an issue out of everything because some of the stuff is going to be like, yeah, no, that's I believe that. Yeah, and so if you do believe, if you feel like it's pretty right, even though like you said, Bo, later on they're gonna they're gonna now define the son and the father differently than Christians do. We can save that argument for later, right?
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and I and I would, right? So so from there, missionaries will say, look, you know, Christ created the world and then gave agency to Adam and Eve in the garden. Uh and because they partook of the forbidden fruit, they were cast out of the garden. This is called the fall, and they became mortal, right? And and they were able to have children and were subject to sin and death. That that's an example of something that we would teach. And typically you cover that high level. And I think most Christians would agree, but there are some nuances that we've actually covered in a, in a previous podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and we, we get into all the weeds on that, but, um, but there are some nuances that are quite different between the, the fall for, for Mormons and and what the fall is biblically.
0: But are you going to get into those nuances in lesson two with, with the people you're talking to? Okay.
1: No, we, it's, we keep it surface level. Um, if if we do get into the nuances, we would share something like 2 Nephi 2, 22 through 25, which basically talks about that, that Adam fell, that men might that men might be. So there was a purpose to his fall, right? And then mm-hmm. we would also teach that we're here to have joy. Uh, and mm-hmm. the joy comes from the gospel. So that's kind of how Mormons would 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 teach that and move on.
0: So so at this point, I'm looking at the notes here and You've got Genesis 1 for some of this, but then you've got a bunch of references in the Book of Mormon, but yet it's still, it's still again, at face value, it's still a biblical thought. They took they partook of the forbidden fruit, they were cast out of the garden, so that's in Moses, which is in the Book of Mormon, I'm assuming?
1: The Book of, Mo- the Book of Moses is actually in the Pearl of Great Price, so there's, there's the Book of Moses and the Book of Abraham in the Pearl of Great Price. The, the point is what Mormons are trying to get across here, what the, what the mission is trying to get across here is that the fall of Adam and Eve, um, the, the, sorry, God gave agency to man, Adam and Eve transgressed, they were cast out of the garden, and they began having children who all have agency.
0: I'm good with all that. Now, again, you're saying, Bo, that you're setting us up maybe to take a left turn down the road but at face value I'm good with all that maybe what I would do is I wouldn't if they're like would you read could you please read now out of the quad Moses 4 verses 19 to 31 I'll be like how about this how about if I read it cuz I agree with the statement you made how about if I read it from Genesis so you can see why I agree with that again is yeah. that a, would that be offensive to somebody for me to just point them back to the Bible instead of to the to the to the uh, other mormon scriptures
2: no, I don't think that's offensive at all. I think that that's actually a good thing to do because again, these missionaries, they, they are on a mission. They really are excited mm-hmm. to get through this lesson and hopefully and come back and teach you more. And um, I think that it's important to, to kind of start to open up the Bible to them a little bit. Like if you're wanting to have an open, honest, curious conversation, yeah, go ahead and open up the Bible and start to sort of explain what you believe in a loving way.
0: Yeah. So I want to say to our Christian listeners, I think your goal, I mean, tell me if you guys think this is a, a good goal to have if you're me- meeting with missionaries. And by the way, I think you should meet with missionaries. If you have missionaries, knock on the door, invite them in. Don't slam the door on their face. Invite them in. Because like you guys are saying, Bo and Katie, they're 18, 19 years old. they They don't really know the Bible. They're just they they they've memorized these lessons they're going to they're going to give you what they've been taught but you could have a real impact on them if you just show them the love of Jesus and if you focus it on the Bible if you know your goal should be I want you know I want you guys to know missionary friends that I believe in just the Bible and so when we're going through these things I would prefer to just emphasize the Bible and I encourage you to read the Bible more I mean is that a good goal for missionaries?
1: Absolutely. You know, I think of the story of Micah Wilder, and it's just so inspirational that he he, he started teaching this Baptist pastor on his mission. Um, the Baptist pastor encouraged him to read the Bible, right? To read the New Testament, to study it. Micah ends up converting um, to Jesus. He ends up becoming a, a Christian on his mission, Um and and has since then, you know, established his own ministry, and and uh, you know his old converted his whole family to to Christianity. And anyway, it, it's amazing what God did in his life, and it was all from just a simple invitation from that pastor, um, who he thought he was going to convert to Mormonism, um, and it was just to study the Bible.
0: All right, so Bo, you've. You've talked about the premortal life, which is a little bit weird. There's a couple of red, yellow flags in there, red flags in there, but we got past that. Talked about creation, check, good with that. Talked about Adam and Eve, check, I'm good with that. What are you going to get to next in the plan of salvation?
1: Yeah, so, so now we talk about our life on earth and the purpose to life. And, and Mormons believe the purpose to life is to find joy um, as families and to prepare to return to live with God again. So we came to earth, the whole purpose in coming to earth was to receive a body of flesh and bone and to be tested to see if we would keep God's commandments. And if we obey the commandments, we're blessed. If we don't, um, we, we receive the consequences of sin, um, which obviously sets up this need because we have a sin problem sets up a, a need for sin to be paid for, right? Either by ourselves or by Christ. And we we can't pay the, the penalty for our own sins because we're not perfect beings, which then introduces the need for the atonement of Jesus Christ.
0: If If you say it just like that, again, on surface level, I would probably say, okay, I'm good with that. But let's just take a minute to talk about what you really mean by all of that, like as opposed to what what the yeah. Bible, right? because there's this great story. Is this true that there's this um there's this parable that Mormons use? Tell that story because I think it's a good illustration of how Mormons view what Jesus does for us versus what what we do for it, sure. so.
1: And, and yeah, I would use this example on a mission all the time, or, or a similar example, right? And, and a child and a dad go into a bike shop, or, or a child tells his dad, hey, dad, I really want this bike, right? And the dad says, hey, save up all of your money, work as hard as you can, um, do all the little chores around the house, and you'll be able to get your own bike. Well, the, the time comes for the son to get his own bike. They go to the bike shop. The, this this son has done is all he can. He's worked as hard as he can. And they get there, and he's got... Twelve dollars and ninety-five cents, and the bike is two hundred dollars, right? Um, and the boy's sad and upset because he realizes he doesn't have enough money for the bike, and that's when the dad steps in and says, "Hey, I will cover the rest." Beautiful story of a father and son, right? And it's uh, the the point of that story is to for a Mormon to point out what Jesus does for you. So, so from a Mormon's perspective. Jesus covers the rest. So you work your hardest, you do all that you can, and then Jesus covers the difference.
0: Okay, so that's another Mormon scholar said it like this. It's grace after all we can do. We're saved by grace after all we can do. And again, I want everyone to listen to this. I want our Christian listeners to hear this, because hopefully our Christian listeners understand the problem in how Bo, how you just explain that. But but some of our Christian listeners might not because you might not really know the gospel. You might not really know what the Bible teaches on this point. And some of our Mormon listeners, this is probably why you've been listening to the podcast because you're trying to understand this difference. You're wrestling with this. We work with people all the time who are wrestling with the biblical idea of grace versus the Mormon idea of grace. Katie, why don't you just explain it? I think it? I think you can probably explain it better than I can to to the to the person coming out of Mormonism.
2: In Mormonism, you have to do all that you can to be worthy. So you have to work um, you have to do everything that you can um, according to Mormonism, i keep all the um, commandments, receive the ordinance of the temple um, and all of that. But in a Christian perspective, we can do nothing. We can't do anything to make ourselves worthy to be in god's presence so that's a pretty poignant difference there
0: how how would you then advise if, if if a missionary shares that example that parable of the bike shop how would you as a christian now come back and explain that parable back to the mormon the elders from a biblical perspective
1: you know what i i think i would have to just open up to paul's own words and and I, I would explain that Paul had done everything, right? He had uh, he was he was he kept the law, right? Paul kept the law, he was um, he was a higher up in the Jewish community, and all of those works were filthy rags to God. Um it, it it's it wasn't until he accepted Jesus, it wasn't until he believed in Jesus that Jesus covered everything, right? Jesus is our, he's our mediator with the father. Mm That judgment is on Jesus instead of us because we believe. Like that's the, it's just, it's hard to point out the diff, but that's the biggest difference right there Mm -hmm. because for a Mormon, it's it's all that I can do plus Jesus and Jesus kind of bridges the gap Mm -hmm. that, no no that we we can't do anything we we are imperfect mortal beings and god is eternal god is all knowing all powerful so anyway i hopefully that makes sense
0: yeah no i think that's great i think paul's a great example because he was a pharisee he was like a mormon he was trying to earn his position with god and he, and he realized he couldn't he realized that he was he he called himself the chief of sinners like for a f- former Pharisee to say that you could tell he got it he understood i what I would probably say to the metaphor is i I would say from the Christian perspective the kid reaches into his pocket and he has nothing he has zero dollars and zero cents exactly he has you know the currency of the kingdom of heaven is is righteousness and the Bible says no one is righteous not even one so we we're all bankrupt we all have Zero righteousness, not a little bit. Because I'm sure in a Mormon ward, some people like act more righteous or think of themselves as more righteous than others. And so I I think there's just always that rat race. You guys talk about that all the time on this podcast. But the biblical concept, and maybe, maybe this is the first time these elders would ever hear this. But again, just plant the seed is just say, the Bible says that we can do nothing. We can bring nothing to the table, that it's all Jesus. In fact, I, I like to say to people, okay, I, I'll, I'll believe that it's grace after all we can do, as long as you understand that we can do nothing. As long as you know that all we can do is nothing, then I'm yeah. good with that statement. But if you think that you can like be a good person, if you think that you can do the keep the covenants, if you think you can, you know what all the stuff I'm sure we're going to be getting into in future lessons, then then you're missing the gospel, the gospel message. You're missing the plan of salvation. The plan of salvation to a Christian is we're all sinners, totally dead in our sins, and Jesus. Did this thing on the cross to save us. And if we put our faith in him, we'll be saved. That's it. It's super simple. It doesn't need two lessons. It's just that right there. It's the the gospel is the plan of salvation. But we're going to see now, next in the in this conversation, Bo, you're going to talk about the atonement of Jesus. You're finally going to bring Jesus into this. But it's interesting because the Mormon concept of atonement is a little bit different than the Christian concept of atonement. So let's jump into that part.
1: It is. Yeah, it is. It's quite different. And I, thanks for explaining that. That was so beautiful. Okay. All right. So the Atonement of Jesus Christ, we 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 would transition. We'd say, hey, be, uh, right, the purpose of life is to, to get a body, to be tested, to... Uh, anyway, and then we would say, but obviously we all sin, so we need Jesus. Okay. We'd get to the Atonement. We'd say, because Jesus Christ came to earth and overcame physical and spiritual death, we... Um, we can all be, well, we can receive salvation. And we would get into that, right? So we would explain, okay, how did Jesus Christ overcome spiritual death? Well, Christ overcame spiritual death through the atonement, right? Through sacrificing himself for our sin. Um, so he He solved the sin problem. And then how did he overcome physical death? He was resurrected, which Mormon's view as the completion of the atonement, right? So he was resurrected, which then broke the chains of hell, essentially, and allowed for everyone, every everyone to be resurrected, to receive, you know, a, a resurrected body. So that's kind of how we would teach the atonement. I think the big difference that Mormons teach that uh, the atonement happened in the um, Garden of Gethsemane uh, and then finished on the cross. So, Mormons Mormons teach that when Christ bled from every pore in the Garden of Gethsemane, that's when he took upon himself the sins of all mankind um, and conquered spiritual death. Uh, so, so the Garden of Gethsemane is a very sacred place for Mormons.
0: So I have a theory on this, and I don't mean to offend our listeners. Personally, I think the enemy hates the cross. And I think any time that we can take the focus off the cross and off of Jesus, I think the enemy likes that. And I again, I don't mean to be offensive, and I wouldn't say this probably to missionaries, but I would say this to our listeners, that if you're, like the Bible is so clearly about Jesus and the cross and the resurrection, it's so clearly about those things. And it's interesting that only recently have the Mormons started embracing the cross in the kind of this rebranding, and I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens as more faithful Mormons who just attend the ward are, are beginning to embrace the cross. I think maybe we're going to see some really cool stuff.
1: Yeah, I I hope so. I think, I mean, really what they're doing is they're just, they're trying to blur the lines as much as they can between Mormonism and Christianity. But, um, but I mean, I, growing up, I was taught that the cross was not just like, not the symbol of Jesus, but, but that it was hurtful if we were to wear the symbol of the cross like why would we celebrate his his brutalized murder type of a thing is what mormons would typically say and what mormon prophets have said throughout the years so Mm -hmm. anyway it is interesting to see mormons start to slowly embrace the the cross it'll be interesting to see where that goes but yeah so so when we would teach the atonement we would we would show pictures for example of jesus suffering in the garden of gethsemane and then ultimately that culminates on the cross and then with his resurrection um but, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. We, we would typically teach the atonement using scriptures from the Book of Mormon, again, because what we were about to show is that Jesus, not only did he suffer, die, and, you know, become resurrected, but then he appears to other nations. So it's all, you know, setting up the stage for what's coming next. But anyway, that's what we would teach about the atonement.
0: So then you'd move on, you'd talk about the spirit world, and we'll just kind of fly past that because that's, I mean, you're you're talking about all people are gonna die, we'll go go to a spirit world. Now again, what that means to Mormons is different than what that means to Christians, but you're probably blurring the lines there. You're probably just talking about heaven and people like, okay, that makes sense. Am I right on that?
1: Yeah, we would just say, hey, spirits go to the, the spirit world where they await the resurrection. That's essentially what we would say.
0: Okay, and so now you're going to talk about the resurrection, salvation, and you're going to talk about something called exaltation. And that is very different. That is not a Christian biblical concept. So are you going to are you going to soft sell this a little bit? Talk us through this this section as you're winding down lesson 2.
1: Yeah, this is where we get actually pretty specific as missionaries because we the goal was to show that no this is different. This is restored truth. This is not traditional Christianity, right? That was the whole goal of this. And so we would say, look, Um, You know, when when the resurrection happens, our our spirits and our bodies will be reunited, right, as resurrected, um, glorified beings. We will uh, have eternal life, um, and we will live in God's presence if we've been faithful. So that's when we would then move from the resurrection into uh, judgment and kings of glory. So basically we would say, look, we're, we're resurrected and we receive salvation right then and there. That to a Mormon, that's what salvation is, your life after death, right? And then we would say, um, you know, we after the judgment, we will then be placed into a kingdom of glory. And this is where we would go to 1 Corinthians 15, which is the resurrection chapter, right, in the Bible. And we would go to 1 Corinthians 15, but the difference is we we would share the Joseph Smith translation of of these verses. And this one's an interesting one and, and one that listeners should pay attention to whether you're uh, a Mormon listening or, uh, or a Christian listening that this is an important one to listen to. Um, so, so in first Corinthians 15, um, actually maybe Brian, why don't you read it from, from your Bible and then we'll read it from the Joseph Smith translation. Um, because it is, it's quite different. So, so so 1 Corinthians 15, maybe just start in 40.
0: Okay, verse 40 says, there are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. The glory of the heavenly bodies is different from the glory of the earthly bodies.
1: <laughs> that That is so different already from, from what Joseph Smith says. And the, the reason why you're now—okay, to okay, there's a couple things. To a Mormon, they're going to be like, you changed the Bible, Brian, <laughs> mm. because— What's what said, what said in a Mormon Bible is the King James Version. And the King James Version reads, also, there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial, but the glory of the celestial is one and the glory of the terrestrial is another. So that's what the King James says. Joseph Smith added a third word in there that he made up called telestial. So let me read the Joseph Smith translation. It says, mm. there are also celestial bodies and bodies terrestrial and bodies telestial but the glory of the celestial one the and the glory of the terrestrial another and the glory of the telestial another, okay? And then it goes into the next where you're talking about the sun, the moon, the stars in terms of how they differ in, in glory, right? Um, but the interesting thing, Brian, is your Bible says something completely different. Your, your Bible doesn't say celestial or terrestrial. The modern translation of celestial and terrestrial is heavenly, celestial, and terrestrial, which is earthly. That that's that's actually the translation when you when you translate it from Greek to modern English.
0: Yeah, not King James English, just modern English. Yeah.
1: That's right. So so Joseph Smith's translation only only works using a King James Bible because it sounds similar, right? You got celestial, terrestrial, and telestial. What what we didn't know at the time or what Joel Smith didn't know at the time is what the word terrestrial means in the first place, right? Mm -hmm. And what the word celestial meant. So we would use this verse and we would teach sea turtle, right? (laughs) So we would teach the celestial kingdom, the terrestrial kingdom, and the telestial kingdom.
2: Sea turtle is kind of like how you remember the levels of the kingdoms of glory that you'll that one of them you'll inherit when you die.
0: Let me just let's back up a second and take a look. We need to do a whole podcast on 1 Corinthians 15 cuz they they got there's all kinds of stuff that Mormons get out of this. But if you just look at the text itself, Paul's Paul's just talking about he's just comparing to he's comparing heavenly bodies and earthly bodies like in Genesis 1 where it's, it talks about heavenly bodies and earthly bodies. He not like physical bodies, we're just talking about like sun, moon, and stars, that kind of stuff. He's just talking about those things as a as a metaphor for talking about the resurrection. That's all he's doing there. He's not trying to teach any kind of doctrine. He's not teaching doctrines about levels of glory, kingdoms but but you're saying that when you're reading this out of the King James Version with the Joseph Smith translation, notes attached to it, do I have that right? That's right. Because it's not the Joseph Smith translation, it's the King James Version with the Joseph Smith translation notes. Now you're saying, well, no, my Bible says this. So if I'm like, well, that's not what my Bible says, I say, Well, see, look, you've got you that's the that what that's what needs to be restored. Your Bible was corrupted. <laughs> right.
1: Yes, that, that is the claim here, right? And so yeah. as missionaries, we would we would show that. We would teach this and we would say, you know, that um that Joseph Smith restored the gospel. And in the restored gospel, uh, as part of the plan of salvation, God has prepared kingdoms of glory for all of us. And uh, for, for those who keep the, the gospel of Jesus Christ and are baptized by, by his priesthood authority and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost uh, by the laying on of hands, they will, they will enter the celestial kingdom. So there's the celestial kingdom, the terrestrial kingdom, and the telestial kingdom. Those are those three kingdoms, the three heavens— that Mormons, um, that's in Mormon theology, and that's where they get it from First Corinthians fifteen.
0: Hmm. Do they have uh, some of their own, like in Doctrine and Covenants or Book of Mormon? Do oh, they have sure. some of their own? Okay.
1: Yeah, there's a there's a ton of different. Actually, the Book of Mormon never talks about the celestial, terrestrial, telestial kingdoms, um, but the the Doctrine and Covenants sure does. Yeah.
0: So, so Bo, if you're a missionary and I and you and you just totally mistranslated first Corinthians 15 and I call and I called you out on it. What are you you're just gonna say, nope, you're wrong. Your translation's wrong. And I'm gonna say, no, you're wrong. Your translation are we just at an impasse at that point?
1: Well, so I think it's important that you point out what the words celestial and what the words terrestrial actually mean and what they translate what they translate to, like again, understanding the context and and the 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 definitions of words is important when you're studying the Bible, and for a Mormon, it's even more important because things are often taken out of context. And in this case, well, as a missionary, as a you know, <laughs> a Book of Mormon thumping missionary, I would. I would testify at this point, because I would have nothing else to back it, so I would testify that Joseph Smith restored lost truth, that there was a great apostasy, that the Bible had been corrupted and changed, and that plain and precious truths like the kingdoms of glory were removed from the Bible. That's how I would probably respond to you, but I do think it's important for you to point out what the word celestial actually translates into and what the word terrestrial means, because it it changes completely the meaning of these verses and what Paul was writing to the Corinthians.
0: So, okay. So this was called the plan of salvation, but now that we're done, I kind of feel like, cause in, in, at the very beginning you talked about premortal life and, and that, that your eternal progression depends on how we use our agency. And now you came back to this idea of eternal progression with the concept of exaltation, because that's what eternal progression is—is is exaltation. So I think I think this should be titled "The Plan of Exaltation," because that's the real goal. The real goal is that you're exalted, right? The real goal is that you understand this lost thing that Joseph that was restored through Joseph Smith. Because again, we don't Christians don't have the word exaltation. We w- when we say. We want to exalt somebody. We're we only talk about God. We're not exalting anyone but God. We want to exalt Jesus. I want, we have songs, worship songs that say, "I exalt you, I exalt you." I mean, it's all about exalting Him. But this this plan is actually about exalting you. Is that is that true?
1: Yeah, that is true. Yeah the 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 point of the plan of salvation. You're right. Is it's more the plan of exaltation. It's it's all about exalting humans to become like God. That's that's the point of Mormon's plan of salvation. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Well, this was a fascinating lesson. And uh, I think our listeners are going to have to tune in for what I would call part two of this, which is actually lesson two in Preach My Gospel, or sorry, lesson three in Preach My Gospel, because lesson two is a plan of salvation. But lesson three now is the gospel, the gospel. So it'll be really interesting what we would We would split, we would say is one and the same thing. The plan of salvation is the gospel. It's all the same thing. We're sinners. Jesus died on the cross to save us. And if we place our faith in him, we'll be saved. It's just that simple. It's like super simple. Not these different, you know, kingdoms of glory, not no preexistence. We're not like we're not like God we're not uh, we're not the same species as God it's all so different again uh, you might not think that it's different when you're talking to a missionary because they're using a lot of the same words but it's so if you really pulled the curtain back if you took the time to which would be hard to in this lesson if you took the time to you would find out that it, these are very different concepts that we're talking about so you if you're meeting with a missionary i'll just say to our listeners again the goal for you i would say is to help, Bo, you said it well, to help them to understand context for reading scripture and then point them back to scripture and point them back to Jesus. Just that simple. Point them to scripture, point them to Jesus, because you can make an impact on them if you lovingly do those things rather than just roll up your sleeves and argue over every last word you disagree on. And so be the light of Christ to people that you are talking with when you invite those missionaries in. And make sure to join us next time because I think lesson three is going to be really fun to get into.